Good morning for Oaks Church, Thursday, April 27th. So glad that you have joined us. We are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are right in the middle of the greatest sermon ever preached. And of course, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has issued a call. He has said that the kingdom of God is at hand. And in light of that, we are to repent, turn, reorient our lives to this coming kingdom. And he's been showing in us through um, in through his ministry in the Gospel of Matthew that the kingdom of God is 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 at hand. Diseases are being healed, demons are being exercised, the supernatural, the miraculous, the miraculous is breaking through. But it's not just physical conquest the kingdom is making, it's spiritual conquest. People's lives, hearts are being transformed. And now Jesus is gathering up his followers, his disciples, those who are also just maybe mildly interested, and he wants to cast them a vision for the good life. If people want to flourish, Jesus says, conform your life to these priorities, to these values. And so he walks us through the sermon, uh, through the Beatitudes. Um, and then he begins this ethical section of teaching where he wants us to understand what the Old Testament teaches how the Pharisees and the scribes have misinterpreted um, those Old Testament passages and how we are to correctly view them. And then in light of his coming, how we are to see their fulfillment in Christ. And so Jesus begins with the sixth and seventh commandments, um, murder and adultery. He says, it's not just about checking off boxes that you haven't killed anybody or that you haven't uh, been with somebody else's spouse, but in actuality, you are, have a transformed heart that shapes your adulterous thoughts, your murderous thoughts. Well, now he's come to these next two ethical sections, the sections on divorce, which we've been discussing the last couple of days, divorce and remarriage, and then the issue of oaths, okay, or keeping one's word. And so what I want to do today is to try to unpack this second part of the text about oath-keeping try to explain what's going on, try to help everybody understand what the Pharisees, how they were wrongly teaching and applying this section of Scripture, and then how we as, as Christians are really to view what Jesus is saying. And then finally, on Friday, the last day of the week, I want to show how these two sections on divorce and remarriage and oath-taking come together, how they are related. Okay, but let's jump into the text and I'm going to start at verse 33 in Matthew 5, and Jesus is speaking, and he says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Jesus begins, as he does in all these sections, by quoting a section of the Old Testament. Look at verse 33. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Now, what are the passages that he's quoting here? It seems that Jesus is sort of taking several uh, Old Testament passages, and he's creating sort of a theological mashup. So 
Um, one of the things that you can do in your study Bible or on your Bible app, or I'm doing it on my phone this morning, what, what is the reference for this, you shall not swear falsely? Well, when I click on the little subscript, it tells me that this is a quotation from Leviticus 19.12. Let's go back and read Leviticus 19.12. It says, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your Lord, I, the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. That's the quotation. Then he comes and says, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Okay, so I click on that little subscript, and that takes me to Numbers 32. And it says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So here Jesus is quoting the Old Testament, and then he pivots to this idea of, while well, we shouldn't be taking vows at all, or at least certain kinds of vows. And again, to really understand this, you have to understand what the Pharisees were doing in relationship to this practice of oath-keeping. So, so, so vows and oaths, let's talk about those. Vow is, is a promise, it's a covenant, it's an agreement, it's a commitment one is making. And oath is the object or the means or the thing by which you are swearing by. So if you were swearing by God, um, you're taking a vow and you're swearing um, and taking an oath that by, by God is your witness, then that means that you are invoking God's name. So, so, so oath and vows are what people would, would take. Well, in those times, words had a lot of power. They had a lot of meaning. And, but it seems that the Pharisees were taking what is a clear scriptural teaching right? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Fulfill your vows. You make commitments to the Lord, follow through with them. They were playing, um, they were playing uh, hermeneutical games. They were, they were playing um, um, fast and loose with this idea of words. And if you want to get an idea of what was happening, look at Matthew 23, verse 16. Jesus says, woe to you, blind guys, he's talking to the Pharisees, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind man, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. What was happening? Well, for the Pharisees, there were oaths and then there were oaths, right? So one of the things that they would do, and this is sort of the equivalent of I make a promise, but I've got my fingers crossed so it doesn't really count. They would make certain oaths, for example, by the temple. They would say, by the glory of the temple, I commit to doing this thing. But other times they might say, um, not only do I swear by the temple, I swear by the gold of the temple. And then what they would say is if they went back on their oath that they made by virtue of, of invoking the temple, they would say, well, that wasn't a serious oath. or That wasn't the most serious kind of oath. The most serious kind of oath is by the gold of the temple. They would do the same thing with the altar. I swear by the altar. 
Well, if you want to be really spiritual, really serious, you would swear by the sacrifice on the altar. And those things that you swore by just on the altar, those can be kind of give and take, right? Those can be here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, but if you want to do a serious, serious oath, it's by, the, by not just the altar, but by the sacrifice on the altar. You can see how ridiculous this got, right? You can see how this became a giant game where a person's yes and a person's no really didn't mean anything. And even when someone took a vow, even when someone took a serious vow and evoked a, a serious spiritual issue or object, there was always that proverbial fingers crossed behind my back. I can change my mind if it suits the occasion. And Jesus says, this is absolutely corrupt. Okay, you're, you're, you're hiding behind spiritual language to lie, deceive, and tell falsehoods. Okay, so go back for a second to Matthew chapter 5. One of the things that people would swear by, uh, they would swear by heaven, or they would swear by the earth, or they would swear by Jerusalem, or they would swear by their, by their head. You know, it's the, kind of the same thing, I swear over my mother's grave, or I swear on the life of my firstborn. And what Jesus says is, you think by swearing by these peripheral things that it gets you off the hook, right? That, well, if, you, if I swear by heaven and I swear by my head, or if I swear by Jerusalem, that's serious, but not as serious as if I swore by God, okay? And Jesus wants to remind them an oath is an oath, a vow is a vow, and you never can get away from the presence of God. So do you have over control over your head, whether your hair is gray or not? You don't, and, 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 and it's um, Jesus' way of saying God's there, God's in control. Can, can, can you evoke the name of Jerusalem? Is that not God's city? Can you not evoke heaven? That, that's God's resting place? What, what, is, what is Jesus saying? You think you're playing cute. You think you're bifurcating the spiritual and sacred parts of your life in order to circumvent the law of God, right? Or the rule of God. Again, it's a loophole. And Jesus wants to say, God will not be mocked. God, uh, you cannot play that game with God. God knows your heart. And so when Jesus again says, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, he's serious. He means that the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is utterly corrupt. It's not based in a heart of gratitude, a heart of faith. This is, these are not transformed hearts. These are hearts that are far from God and much more interested in getting their selfish way, okay? So, so when Jesus says, let what you say be simply yes or no, anything more than this comes from evil, he's not saying don't take a vow, okay? That, that's not, he's not prohibiting all vow-taking because if you look at the Old Testament, there's a lot of vow-taking. There's a lot of vow-taking, right, in the New Testament, Paul takes a Nazaritic vow, for example, as he's going through the rites of purification. There's, there's many, many, many examples. No, what the lesson here is, is when you take a vow, fulfill it. When you take a vow, know that you are answering before God. 
whether you evoke his name or not. And sometimes it's very appropriate to evoke God's name in a vow, right? We do this in marriage ceremonies. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We do it in court proceedings, okay? We do it at communion, okay? When we come and we're making a vow to God and we're taking those communion elements, so there's nothing wrong with vows. The only kind of vow that Jesus is teaching against is the one that tries to circumvent the law of God, the word of God, to have guile, manipulation, to swear by falsehood, and to thus get around the clear teachings of God's word. God, God will not be mocked. And here Jesus is pointing us to the proper fulfillment of these Old Testament um, words. Now, of course, we know Jesus ultimately fulfilled these vows perfectly, right? There was no deceit found in his mouth. And he was the perfect, not just example, but the perfect sacrifice for us. Okay, now, as we're sort of thinking about this, this text now, what we want to ask and answer tomorrow for our last day together this week is what's the relationship of this passage on divorce and remarriage and this this passage on oaths. And so the hint to be thinking about is it has something very fundamental about keeping our word. That is the wholehearted person. All right, and we're going to get into it tomorrow. But for now, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we, we, we know as human beings we are prone to lie, cover up, deceive, tell half-truths, hide. And Lord, we're, we confess that. We want to be wholehearted people. We want to be people who walk in alignment with your values and, to tell, the, and tell the truth. And so, Lord, give us your grace, give us your mercy, give us your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.